Hebrews chapter 11. A, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago or something, I, 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 sh- I had a sharing, I, I taught on uh, God's solution. And we looked at um, uh, God's solution to the problems of the world and uh, all the things that were going on and how he had looked on the earth and, uh, the, and the solution was Jesus Christ. We looked at, well, today we're going to look at not God's solution, but God's solutions in plural. So we're going to look at the topic of prayer a little bit. Um, and when we look at this today, it's not, uh, we're, not going to, we're not going to consider the prayer that is offered in thanksgiving and praise. That is wonderful. That is a great thing to do in prayer, to give praise, um, like Viz did today, uh, to praise him and to thank him. Um, but we're going to talk about those situations that were prayers, about specific requests, things that were people needed in their lives when they were, where people were asking for God's help or his intervention in their lives. Um, sometimes when we pray to God, we might have a specific request in mind. Um, for example, Hannah, when she prayed, she asked for a child. And for this child, I prayed, and she got exactly what she wanted. Um, but there are other prayers that are offered uh, that we have really no idea what the solution is going to be. We're going to look at some of those a little bit today. And the common element in prayer that I want to start off in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 is this. Chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's a very basic, basic element to think about that he is, that God is. So the prayers that we offer are not a, oh, a possible solution, but it's the solution. And it's God's solutions that we're looking for, not something that we have premeditated or preconceived. It's God's solutions. And the only way that can happen, we need to believe that he is it's a very basic thing but surely that's where it all starts it's not just something you just throw up it's you know that he is and that he will answer that prayer uh we'll start in numbers chapter 21 i'll actually i guess we already started but as far as the prayers go numbers 21 there are many of these but i just wanted to highlight a few of them and talk about some of the principles involved in those prayers Numbers 21. You'll remember this record where uh, fiery and deadly serpents had gone amongst the people of Israel. Uh, In verse 4 of chapter 21. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The people spake against Moses and against, sorry, against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our light, our soul loatheth this light bread. 
And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So these were deadly snakes, serpents. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord, this is what they wanted, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Okay, so that's, that's their request. Their request is they want the serpents to be gone. Well, let's see what happens. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. Wait a minute, I want to get that. We want the serpents to be gone. I don't want another one, another one. Make thee a fiery serpent. And it set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he shall look upon it, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So was God's solution to this situation what the people wanted? No, it wasn't. But they apparently knew best. Get rid of the serpents. So God, see, when we, when we pray to God, when we pray to Him, we need to be very open and ready to receive what he has to say, what he, what he, what he, because his solutions in life situations will always be the best. Now, his solution to the world's problems, Jesus Christ, was definitely the best. But his solutions to other situations in our lives and the situations that we face, it'll always be the best. So, why would I want to say, here's what I think you should do for me? And there are those kind of prayers too. And we just talked about one, Hannah. But there are situations where I don't know, but he certainly does. In Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Esther chapter 4. And again, you'll know this situation where... All the, the li- livelihood, not the livelihood, the life, lives of, of the Israelites were being threatened by an evil man. And so Mordecai came and spoke to Esther about the situation. Rock on, read the whole record, just a couple of verses. In verse 13, when he came to speak to Esther, because she was the queen at this time, he said in verse 13, and Mordecai came, commanded Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. So she was a queen at the time, and so he said, Don't think you're going to escape. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. So this is what he says to her. He says, If you stay quiet now, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? The interesting thing I wanted to share, when he spoke to her, see, his confidence was that God would provide a solution. See, he didn't necessarily think that the solution was Esther, because he told her, look, if you stay quiet, I know God's going to provide deliverance somewhere else. That's the confidence when we go to God. 
it wasn't, it could, he said, I, he even said it, it necessarily may not be the one that I'm looking for here, but I know he will. And that's really the confidence we have in our God when we go to him and ask for deliverance or a situation that's happening. We know he will. Mordecai said, I know I will. But he goes, you're going to die. In Second Samuel chapter 15. Second Samuel 15. This is a wonderful one. Another, again, a lot of background to some of these records, but this one here is when David was had become king of Israel and then his vagabond son, I guess we can call him that, Absalom, decided that he would rather be king than his dad. So... Absalom won the hearts of the children of Israel over a period of 40 years, a long time, well, many years, anyway. I can't remember exactly 40, but many years. And uh, David was being forced out of Jerusalem, and here is, here is when he's leaving. In 2 Samuel fifteen thirty, is where we are going to start. And David went up by the, mount of, by the ascent of Mount Olivet, just east, east of Jerusalem, mm. um, and here, and all, a lot of the people, obviously all the people are going out with him, and wept as he went up, and had his head covered, and he went barefoot. And, and by the time this is happening, because Absalom and gang are coming into Jerusalem to take over, and, and he has to leave. And he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. He says, this guy named Ephithophel is in, you know, in cahoots with Absalom to get you out of here. And David, here he is. This is the prayer. He said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ephithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, Behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head, unto whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant, then mayest thou from me defeat the counsel of Ephithophel. So then this guy, uh, Hushai, went back into Jerusalem. Pick up the record in Second Samuel sixteen, fifteen. So his prayer was that this man Hethophel's counsel would be defeated. In Second Samuel sixteen, fifteen, and Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem. So they came in, and Hethophel with him. This guy was there. And it came to pass when Hushai the archite, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. Uh, down to verse 20. Then said Absalom unto Hithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And we're going to jump down to verse 23. It says, In the counsel of Hithophel, he gave some other instructions, but which he commanded counsel in those days was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of of God. That was the ability of this man in Hithophel, that Absalom was asking instructions on what he should do. This man was like, he was so wise that it was like talking to God. That's pretty, that's a pretty high commendation for this man. Mm 
so was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. So he was wise. He knew what to do. Now remember, David had prayed, God, can you please defeat the counsel of Ahithophel? Oh, let's go to 2 Samuel 17, 1. 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, let me now choose out 12,000 men. This is what he's telling Absalom to do. Pick out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, because all his family, his children, and all the other people are with him. The man, uh, sorry, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee, the man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Sounded like a really good plan, because they knew this man, and he had integrity. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, now this guy is competing with a man whose wisdom was like you were speaking to God. Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after this saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For said Hushai, Thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war, and will not lodge with the people. And he, I mean, they knew well, knew he was a man of war. He had fought a lot of battles. And he goes, he's quite angry right now because you just took the kingdom away from him. It's like a bear robbed of her whelps, which we know was a very angry bear. Behold, verse 9, he is hid now in some pit, you know, that we always does, or in some other place. And it will come to pass that when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say, there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom, and he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knowest, everybody in Israel knows, that your father is a mighty man, and they be, which be with him are valiant men. You're not going to be able to beat them. They're really angry, and there's no way you're going to beat them. Therefore, I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee from Dan even to Beersheba, which will take some time, as the sand that is by the sea for a multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. A lot of nice imagery there. And of him and of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city, and we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Ah, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, who counsels like you were talking to God. For the Lord had appointed, this is why, the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. All this, now you try to figure out this kind of situation when all you say to God is, could you please defeat this man's counsel? 
could he have sat there and figured out this is how it's going to happen? This he's going to say this. Then we're get no. He just made up. He just prayed. He prayed, and God took care of all. God's solution is always the best. You know, David could have said, "Let's go back down there and kill the opposite," because they were mighty men. He could have said the same thing that you know, Hushai was saying about his mighty men. He just prayed. The entire situation was resolved. In Second um, Kings chapter nineteen, by the way, um, in the case of the uh, serpent, that serpent also became a um, symbol or a type of the coming of Jesus Christ. So God had other motives behind that fiery serpent. In this case here, that simple prayer and God's acting on it for him preserved the Christ line because David would have died that would have been the end of the Christ line in one case you know God's solution was to talk about the type of coming coming of Jesus Christ and another one is to preserve the Christ line little prayer in 2nd Kings chapter 19 another wonderful one there's a lot of these but you can look for them when you read This is when the um, army was attacking Hezekiah. If you'll remember that record. 2 Kings 19.10 Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, and this is the you know evil people there, the Rabshakeh from Assyria, saying to Hezekiah, Let not thy God in whom thou trustest deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. He goes, Don't let him deceive you. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly, and thou shalt be delivered. Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed as Gozan and Haran and Rezep and the children of Eden which were in Thelesser? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arphad? Probably dead. And the king of the city of Sepharaphim, of Hina and Eva. Hezekiah received the hand of the letter of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, Thou hast made heaven and earth. You know, it's a real common element as we've looked before in prayer when great men pray to God. They said, you're Lord of heaven and earth. David, I mean, sorry, Paul added, um, you've made the world and all things therein as well. You know, just to understand and recognize his great majesty. He's, this is who he's asking help from. Verse 16, Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. It's a dire situation. He said, this is true. They're strong. And have cast their gods into the fire, for there were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou, save thou us out of his hand, 
that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Then Isaiah the son of Hamas sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which uh, thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. I heard your prayer, Hezekiah. Isaiah tells him, God has heard what you said. God's solution, verse 35, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand, 185,000 people. And when they arose early in the morning, which is a figure of speech, because they couldn't, behold, they were all dead corpses. Right? When, well, I guess maybe when the other people rose that were around them. There's 185,000 people that had been killed by the angel of the Lord. Now, you do you think that when Hezekiah and, and Isaiah were praying, that they said, God, would you send an angel and kill 185,000 people? Or more, more or less? No, they just prayed. God, can you please take care of this? See, the prayer was offered in recognizing, and he even said it in his prayer, you're the Lord God of heaven and earth. There's nothing, good, good advice for us to think about when we pray to him. There's nothing that is beyond his ability. Nothing that he wouldn't do to take care of his people. And here he just, they didn't have to do anything. I mean, you know, remember other records of kings in trouble? Some of them would take some money out of the temple and knock, take all the gold out and ship it over there and say, listen, can you protect us and help us? And, and, and here, just prayed. And the result, 185,000 people killed in one night. Wow. Um, you know, after that God, all that God has done for us, Why would I, you know, why would I try to, in a situation I might be facing, and we all face situations, why would I try to exhaust everything that I possibly know to do before going to Him? You know, why, would I, why would I treat my God, why would I ever treat Him as a last resort to situations in my life? Why would I do that? When here He is, the Lord God of heaven and earth, why would I always just go to him first and say, here's a situation that I need help with, you know, and I don't know what the solution is, you know, and I thank God for us living in this time period. They didn't have speaking in tongues. Here we are with the, the ability to pray perfectly because we don't know what we need. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. And God, God you know, God is there. He's the same God that, that Hezekiah was talking to, that all the people we're looking for, looking at, we're talking to. It's the same God. So why would I exhaust all that? Um, certainly, wouldn't be the wisest thing for me. Mark Matthew chapter twenty-six. This is an interesting one. Um, Matthew twenty-six. Again, just some keys and thinking about God's solutions to situations and are always the best. Matthew twenty-six. <laughs> 36. This is Jesus, our Lord. In verse 36, 
Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. So he's going to pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Now that's pretty heavy. You know, you can got to see what's going on here. It's not so like, no, I'm not really feeling well. No, I am sorrowful unto death. For the Lord, the Son of God, to say that, it's a pretty dire situation. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here he is teaching them about prayer in the middle of what he thought was a situation where he was nigh unto death. Always teaching, always taking care of them. He went away again, verse 42, the second time, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except that I drink it, thy will be done. Verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. You know, here's the situation. He knew God's solution to the problem. He didn't like it. This is this is Jesus Christ. You know, here he is. He, he knew he had read the scriptures. He knew what he had to go through. Yet he didn't want to. He didn't like it. So he prayed to God. I said, God, is there is there any other way? But notice in his prayer he said, But if there isn't, he still committed himself to God's will just like when he taught them how to pray, thy, thy will be done, right? That's, that's prayer. That We're looking for God's will to be done on earth. And that, that's what we pray. So here he prays to them, to God, and says, you know, and, and God says, no, there's no other way. So he committed himself to God's will. And, you know, what's the lesson? You pray. You may not like what God's solution is. Jesus Christ certainly didn't. But if you commit yourself to his solution, it'll always be the best. Wasn't it the best here? Because he said, if I, can't, if I go not away, the spirit cannot come. You know, the salvation can't happen. So he committed himself. So you, can, you know, when we pray and we ask for God, a lot of times, you know, we'll pray. And we'll get the answer. And we'll go and do whatever we want anyway. You know, Jesus Christ wasn't like that. Remember that record in, uh, in Jerem- uh, when Jeremiah, they were in Jerusalem? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. They said, you know, Jeremiah, can you pray for us? And should we go to Egypt or not? And Jeremiah says, okay. And they said, whatever you come back with, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly what God tells us to do. So Jeremiah prays and it says 10 days later, God gave him an answer. Uh, most believers will forget they prayed in two days and but here was he was pretty sharp to hear the answer, and, and God told him, "No, you, you don't. You don't go to Egypt. Like you stay here, or if you end up going to Babylon, you'll be blessed." And what they say, "We're going to Egypt." 
I said, when we, have, when, we, when we make that request, when we ask that request, when we pray to him, we need to recognize his solution will always, and Jesus Christ did. It was hard for him. You can read that. You know, you read that. It's a very, very heavy time. It was hard, hard for him to do that. But he committed himself to God's will, and it was the best. It was the best thing that could have happened, not just even for him, because after this he was exalted to see at the right hand of God, but it was also best for us. Again, God's plan was executed. Um, in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is Paul and Silas at Philippi. I'm, I'm sorry, this is uh, Cornelius. <laughs> sorry, ahead of myself. Um, in chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, some rock group in Caesarea. <laughs> no, a devout man and one that feared God, a reverent skull, with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. That's a pretty... <laughs> Pray to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him, saying unto him, Cornelius. When he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now think about that one. Okay. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, here is this man. He reveres God, reverences God, loves God. And he's praying regularly. And he gets a vision saying, "Your prayers have come up as a memorial before God." You think when you think when <laughs> I kind of laugh at this record because you think when Cornelius was praying that he was praying, "Okay, Father, I'm going to pray to you now that you're going <laughs> to." Yes, he kind of humors him thinking about it. I'm going to be the way that you're going to open the door of faith to the Gentiles. Let's let's see how we can get this to work. No, right? He just prayed. Right. A simple simple prayer. He just reverenced God and God's solution. This was the way that the, the door of faith was going to be opened to the Gentiles. God's plan, God's solutions, God's desires, right? And yet this man, here he is, he happens to be a part, partake in it because he's reverenced God. That was it. There was nothing more than that. And God says, okay, I've heard you. And we're going to no, do this thing. And he does this thing. <laughs> Now we'll go to Philippians. Sorry, Acts chapter 16. Philippi, not Philippians. So, Acts 16, 16. Almost done here. Acts 16. Like I said, there's a lot of them. It's fun to look at and to think about and help us in our own prayer lives when we, when we go to pray to God. Acts 16, 16. <laughs> And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Ah, it's lucrative business happening here. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, and would show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, one one, uh, version says, being very annoyed, But being grieved or annoyed, turned, and this must have been the way she was saying it, uh, revelation to Paul to tell him what was going on. I don't know. Being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers 
and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. <coughs> not to mention our business. <laughs> yeah, right. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. <laughs> and when they had laid many stripes upon them, that's a lot, you know, a lot of stripes. They were bleeding well by this point. Um, they cast them into prison, charged them to, charging them to keep, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, which is the worst part of the prison, where the rats and junk would be, and. Uh, so that's the inner, harder, worst part of the prison, um, and made their feet fast in the stocks. The prisons we know in those days weren't like today, where you, you get a degree in medicine while you're in prison. And, you know, they weren't like that. <laughs> they were very bad, and made their feet. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, when they prayed, do you think they prayed, God, could you please send an earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt it. it. doesn't say that. They just prayed. They prayed to God and sang praises to God. Because, you know, his solution would be the, would be the best. Whatever he has to help them would be better than anything they could have possibly thought about. So they prayed. They prayed and sang praises to God. And suddenly, verse 26, there was an earthquake, but the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And we know that record where it later re leads to the jailer and his entire family being saved. Paul and God, Paul and Silas didn't just run out of the jail. They stuck with what God's solution, what his plan was in the situation. Right? They prayed to him. You know, the world's view of prayer many times is what they call what I call Hail Mary thinking. You know, if you're familiar with the football analogy where they're they're down to the last thirty seconds and they're behind by six points and and the quarterback has one more chance and he's going to grab the football and he's going to chuck it down the, into the end zone hoping somebody will catch it. They call that a Hail Mary pass. Uh, not to get into Mary and all the other things, but, but the whole point is it's a last resort, last ditch effort. Let's just see what happens. We've tried everything else we know what to do. Let's just try this. You know, That's a lot of times when people think of prayer, but it's not that way at all, is it? It's, it's, it's the first resort. It's the first thing that we think about. It's the first thing we, we go to when we don't know what to do in a situation. And they prayed. And that, that's the result we get. And, you know, the time would fail me to tell of Gideon versus the Midianites. I know there's no way, right, that Gideon thought about having a hundred lanterns up on a hill and crying the sword of the Lord on Gideon. <laughs> There's no way that was what he had in mind. <laughs> but that was the solution. That was God's solution. And it turned out to be the best solution, like his solutions always are. How about Elisha when the, I think it was Syria, or the Syrians were attacking, 
and the four leprous men when he all, all he mentioned was something about barley and the price of barley and and uh, flour and and for god to make the syrians ha- hear the noise of so many chariots at nighttime that they would flee from there and leave all their goods behind so that the price and the economy of samaria was altered favorably as elisha had said do you think anybody sat down and figured that one out you know it's <laughs> you know about daniel lion's dance Shadrach. you can go on and on and on you know the time would fail us to tell of all the times that god's solutions were the best always the best let's close in matthew 20 to 21 matthew 21 This is a very simple verse and wonderful and something to keep on the wall or iPhone or whatever <laughs> you like to do with prayers and things. Matthew 21, verse 22. You can read the whole context. We won't today, but just the one verse. Verse 22. In all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Um, prayer the how of prayer is up to God. The how He chooses our part. Our part in prayer. Look at prayer as a very. Our part in the pr- prayer is the easy part. Because if you're going to ask me, okay, figure out what to do when the Assyrians are attacking, the Syrians are attacking, or when these guys are in jail, and you know, that's the hard part. And so our part in prayer is just to pray, which is pretty easy, right? Prayer is pretty easy. <laughs> maybe in difficult situations when we're doing it, but the prayer part's easy. The hard part is up to God. And so here, you know, all things, all what's whatsoever we shall ask. Believing. So what's our what's our part? Just to have confidence and trust in him. To have confidence and trust that he will he will bring to pass that which we have asked him to do or help us. Or he will provide a solution for the situation that we need because he's a loving, loving and kind, merciful God to his people. Right? So Prayer wrought answers that no man or woman could ever have envisioned. But they were God's solutions, and His counsel will always be the best. You know, even, you know, even, why would we ever try everything else we possibly think of before seeking His always excellent counsel? Why not commit our ways, desires, and plans to Him? Why not dispense with our anxieties and frustrations, which is what the Bible tells us prayer does, dispenses with them, and cast all our cares to our Father who hears and delights in our prayers. So, okay. All right, everybody. God's blessings to you folks. Uh,